from the newsroom of South Coast Today. This is ST Speaks, a podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. Hello, welcome to The Bubble, a new podcast from South Coast Today. I am Montana Samuels. Sitting next to me is the dapper Mike Bonner. I am here, and we, we sit here, and we go over opening after opening after different openings, and you go you go with the, just the straightforward... That's what I went with. Okay. That's what I went with, Mike. <laughs> you can do the opening next time. Well, I, actually, I did the opening the first time around, our soft opening. That's right. So, for those who don't know, which is every single person listening to this podcast except for my mom... And my, yeah, I told my mom. Well, I'm not sure Mike's if I did. Mom, and most of our Twitter followers... Uh, <laughs> and some of the newsroom. And some of the newsroom people. We recorded a podcast last week that is buried in the depths of our podcast folder here at the Standard Times in New Bedford. Um, maybe to see the light of day eventually. Someday when we're big, we'll release the, we'll the release. untold podcast or the unreleased hidden files of the bubble. Right. So for any of you people three years down the road who plan on being really, really excited about the 2018 National Championship game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we talked about. You, you, guys, you guys will be in for a treat in March of 2021. And it wasn't so much the National Championship game as much as it was Mike Gundy. It was Mike Gundy. Uh, Oklahoma State football coach. Now that we have you intrigued, you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> oh, national championship game, but not Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State who wasn't in the national championship. What is going on here? So, and we're, we're here to sort of answer some of those questions. So, Mike and I are obviously, uh, we work here at the Standard Times in New Bedford. Mike is a reporter, staff writer for the Standard Times. I myself edit The Advocate, which is a weekly newspaper covering Fairhaven and Cushnet. But outside of those newspapers, we, like most of you, have different interests that maybe we don't get to cover so much at our job. I'm thinking music, I'm thinking sports, I'm thinking the World Star Hip Hop Instagram page. So many <laughs> things, Mike. All of the things. If it's on the internet, basically, it's internet. This should maybe be called the internet instead of the bubble. This should maybe be called the internet, but there is a music group that's much more famous than we are called the internet, so we can't do that. Not famous enough, because I've, that's the first I've heard of them. They're an odd future. They're way more famous than us. <laughs> I'm now going to ask some of our future guests if they... That's going to be the, the litmus test. The Have you heard of the internet? And, and if they say, oh, yeah, they're great, or they say, yeah, I go online all the time, that'll be the kind of litmus test. Right. Have you heard of the internet? We're going to know exactly who we're talking to. <laughs> right. So as you guys can tell, this isn't necessarily going to be a podcast about the same thing every week. I myself am from Lawrence, Kansas, which means I'm a big University of Kansas basketball fan. I love the Kansas City Chiefs, so I'm still pretty upset about the recent loss. You know what we're going to have on? I didn't realize because we're going to have some guests on today. Right. Uh, and two of the guests, uh, Brian Haydad of V Sporto Network and Courtney Cronin of ESPN, they were very much into Malik Newman at Mississippi State when I was there covering Mississippi State. So An- another oddity. Mike. We could try to like you know section some time off for your Malik Newman fandom. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, Malik Newman... Maybe about 20 minutes or so for you guys. (laughs) At least 35 minutes about Malik Newman. That'll be a separate podcast. I'll put it on my SoundCloud or something. You'll just listen to it yourself. Your your private collection of the bubble. That's right. I'll I'll be able to break down Malik Newman's game as we go along. Uh, Just so 
we are clear, we are having guests on today, the two that Mike mentioned, as well as a good friend of mine, Mike Gaither, who is the weekend sports anchor at WBRZ in Baton Rouge. We'll be talking Saints-Vikings. Just the ending. Not even Saints-Vikings, just the ending. We don't really care much about the game as a whole, um, but that ending was insane. So, yeah, the game had two lead changes within the last, like, 30 seconds of the game. Yes, yes. And if you hadn't seen it, um, welcome to the internet. Uh, just Google. Uh, just go on Twitter. Yeah. It, it, that, that was, so I was flying back from North Carolina uh, visiting some friends in Durham. I uh, went to go see Duke Wake Forest. And I was in the airport, and the Saints were driving down the field. As soon as – actually, yeah, because the Vikings went up. I, yeah, the yes. Vikings went up, and I said – too much time. Drew Brees is going to drive down the field, which he did. The Saints kicked the field goal, and I didn't see the field goal. Uh, my ride had arrived outside of Logan Airport, right. and I said, well, the Saints are going to get – it's a chip shot field goal at this point. They're going to kick it. It's probably over. And as I left, I'm like, it's probably not over just because I'm <laughs> – because I've now sit in my head that it is over. And then I got a bunch of text messages asking me if I saw what I saw. And I was like, no, I'm in a car. And it turns out, indeed, the game was not over. Um, I was watching it live. Much like Mike, I saw the field goal and said, okay, this is going to be a Drew Brees, Tom Brady showdown because there's no way the Nick Foles-led Eagles beat the Drew Brees-led Saints. Turns out it could be a Case Keenum Tom Brady playoff. Not playoff. Tom Brady Super Bowl, uh, which is far less interesting. The least, I think the NFL really is hoping for not a Case Keenum Bortles a Keenum well, Bortles Super Bowl. Worse would be a Nick Foles Blake Bortles Super Bowl. But see I would disagree because at least you have the Philadelphia market. Yeah, you, but have, you have some Nick Foles. Yeah, but you have Case you still have um uh Carson Wentz and that whole story and you have It's a good story. True, it is a good story. Minnesota's more of a chaotic like <laughs> Sam Bradford's there, Teddy Bridgewater's there. There's Case, a bunch going Case on. Case Keenum might take the Vikings to the Super Bowl and not be there next year. That's 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 a podcast for a different time that podcast I find fascinating. For a time. That you know, are the Vikings like, please don't win because like, we are not our future. You yeah, you kinda have to, right? Like obviously yeah. they want him to win. That's they're not saying please don't win. But there's some handcuffs that come with if you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback. If you win a Super Bowl and don't get re-signed in a contract year, that's that's uncharted territory almost. You know what's happening? We're getting a little too. We're getting pretty in depth about the Case Cam contract situation. And I want to get into the the XFL that is the NFL. That's right. So Mike and I were talking before we started recording, and we believe, and we believe this wholeheartedly, that the NFL. It, the competition level is so poor that this is just scripted television at this point. Well, I wouldn't say it's, it's almost because it can't be because it's not even believable if you were to script it. Right. That's how bad it actually – like Vince McMahon would not have scripted the games ending the way they, they did. No. It just, I mean you have Tom Brady and the Patriots who are the villain of you know the – WWF. You know, this I'm trying to think of my only logical part of this storyline is Tom Brady is still in the playoffs. Yeah, because you have to have the you have to have the good versus evil, right. and at this point, the country just believes anyone who is not named Tom Brady and the Patriots are you know their last hope. You got right more. I, you know, I would even say 
you know, he's the, the evil empire. You know, I know that yeah. the Boston is labeled that New York, but you know, you have. I was watching the Patriots game, and Bill Belichick when he has that mouth guard oh, thing over, yeah. he looks like a a Star Wars villain Maybe or a Darth something. Vader type. Yeah, yeah. So you have that, but you know. The Patriots, as we talked about, played in a pretty boring game. Yeah, it was a cakewalk. The Titans scored first, and I was watching it with some Titans fans, and they were like, oh, who would have thought that? And I was just like, it's a four-quarter game. Yeah, it's going to – Let's relax here. But the other three were very much WWE chaotic, like good God almighty – Jim Ross in the background, you know, Jerry the King Lawler being like, you people know. People were getting RKO'd all over the place. Yeah, just stunners everywhere, you know, the people's elbow coming in. The people's elbow, of course. It's just, you, you go for the first game, I was actually watching with an Eagles fan. Right. And the Eagles go up, and the wheels came off when it was, I think, fourth and two from like the, the five or something. Okay. And the Eagles thought about going for it oh, instead of kicking the field goal to sure. go up by five. Point chasing. Yeah, and so the Eagles fan, of course, he's saying this is he has he goes this is Eagles heartbreak all over. This is just it's going to happen. I said, well, yes, but it's not like you're going up against a team that has been successful in the past. Of you're going up against the Falcons, who were up twenty eight three in the Super Bowl. In fact, I would say that in actuality, it had Atlanta heartbreak, yeah, written and, it, all and over it turned it. out to be yeah, they which is drive down the field. It's becoming a thing, Atlanta heart, heartbreak. I mean, I, I certainly appreciate the plight of the Philadelphia Eagles fan, minus the fact that they threw batteries at Santa Claus or what have you. <laughs> but somehow Atlanta has taken over this mold of team. They're, they're like the modern-age Buffalo Bills, right? Where you, Matt Ryan, good quarterback, Julio Jones, best wide receiver in the NFL. But you're never making it over the top. They're, they're not the Buffalo Bills, though, because to be at the Buffalo Bills is a little easy. Because, you know, you're not in the playoffs. Like, they made the no, playoffs no, no. this year. I, I'm talking Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. you're going way back. I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I see They're it now. They're the new age Buffalo Bills of, what were the, like the 90s or what have you? Yeah. I should fact check that. It was the 90s. Yeah, okay. Four straight. Four straight. AH Super Bowls. Right, that. which I honestly thought after watching um, the Falcons play, the, who'd the Falcons play in uh, the wild card game? Rams. I thought after watching the correct. Falcons beat the Rams, I was like, oh, this is like a legitimate shot for a Patriots-Falcons. <laughs> so <laughs> let me let just – we can round this back up. After the, after the wild card games, you had Drew Brees in the Super Bowl right. and Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl. No. I thought Drew Brees would make it to the okay. Super Bowl. What I, what I thought was a possibility was that Matty Ice himself, Boston's favorite son – could hypothetically make it back to beat Tom Brady. If you want, if you wanted me to put money down, I'm going Drew Brees every time because I will go Drew Brees every time. However, I saw a path for the Falcons. <laughs> saw a path. I'm just going to nod my head. That was yeah. some confusing, like, in theory, in reality, in Matty Ice. And- Worth noting, this was post-Chiefs being eliminated by the Marcus Mariota p- touchdown pass to himself, so I'm, I still am not thinking clearly. It's okay. Uh, we've talked, you know, all the chaos of everything that happened right. over the weekend. And my favorite moment is still Tony Romo at the end of the Patriots game. Just Jim Nance asking for a running clock. All but saying, it, just saying, please get me out of this booth with this this madman who I absolutely love. It's he's. I wish I could just live life with his nonchalant attitude. of the 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 pinnacle of this, if you had turned the TV off, and I understand if you had, Jim Nance is going on this 
eulogy of Keith Jackson and how important he was in his life and getting it's an emotional moment and there's a pause and Tony Romo musters up all of his caring sentiment <laughs> everything inside of him that he can think of to you know emotionally you know he was trying to emote he was hug <laughs> you know give Jim Nance a hug right. through his words and he just comes up and says time flies <laughs> Which is exactly what you want to hear. We were in tears. There was a Titans fan sitting right next to me. His team getting destroyed, his season ending, and he was crying tears of laughter because it was so funny that time flies. And you know the best thing about that is you can only expect that level of performance from a man who signed a sponsorship deal with Starter as the starting cowboy as the starting quarterback of America's team the Dallas Cowboys starters time, time does fly <laughs> those starter cleats do not starters make it a comeback though no they're not they are no they're the no. starter jackets nope. are in that's yeah the ones from 1990 but, but the, they're still making it yeah a but comeback. starters not making it we're not doing this starters not making a comeback do not bring starter back unless it's one of the cool jackets but that's what I'm saying. Like they, they may not be coming back. Like they, they are trying to come back, not in their own way. Like, but they're. If you've bought a starter jacket from an Instagram vintage seller for over hundred and twenty dollars, email us at msamuels at hathawaypublishing.com. I would like to talk to you. It's, they're coming back <laughs> in terms of so like vinyl is making a comeback. In terms of artists are producing vinyl. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not saying that, well, Starter's trying this to. This part's but th- getting cut out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just a hater on Starter. I don't know why. A man who is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys is wearing Starter cleats. I, this is a big thing for me. If you ask my friends what my biggest beef with Tony Romo is, it's this point that he's wearing Starter cleats. I don't get it. And he'd just respond and look at you and say, you know what, Montana? Time, time flies. flies. That's a good, great transition. Time does indeed fly. In fact, I think it may be time for us to really dive in to the Saints-Vikings talk. The, the ultimate WWE, what good God almighty Jim Ross moment. You know, what is happening? Uh, so where do you want to start? Well, you Do know, we want to bring in our guests? Do we want to listen to the Montana Samuels? Oh, I, I don't think analysis. anyone wants to listen to the Montana Samuels analysis. Well, if they've made it this far into the podcast, maybe they're... Take a moment really quickly, guys, <laughs> and go watch the Stefan Diggs Titanic theme song video. Did you see this video, Mike? Yes. Go watch that. In the time you've done that, pause the podcast. Once you hit play, we'll be back with a couple of our guests to bring some insight into our favorite part of the aftermath of this game, which is the people of Louisiana's reaction. <laughs> As promised, we are here with Courtney Cronin from ESPN and Brian Haydad from the Sporto Network, host of the B&B show, uh, a former producer of my uh, podcast in Mississippi, Brian Haydad. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us this Wednesday. Great to be back with you guys, man. Yeah, it's like a reunion. It, it, it is. It's, it's great to, to have you guys aboard. And it was funny because I was thinking about potential ideas for the bubble. I thought, well, Courtney was in Minnesota covering the Vikings just 
crazy ending. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, one of my good friends, Brian Haydad, as you all know from my Twitter bio, is a Saints fan. So, Brian, I'll let sure. you start. Uh, take me what, – what if I told you that the Saints were going to lose at 17 nothing at halftime? What would, would be your reaction? And then let's jump forward. What would your reaction be if I said they were going to lose with about uh, 20 seconds to go? It was 17 nothing. I, I got no problem believing that. At that point, <laughs> I had sort of written the Saints off. Breeze wasn't hitting anybody. They couldn't get anything going in the running game. Uh, they had a couple of turnovers in the first half, and I just – you know, for whatever reason, with pro football, uh, I can disconnect from that a little easier than I can from the college game. So I, I had already made my bones with everything. Okay, this is it. They had a good run. I didn't expect anything this year, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Then they come back, and you know, they're playing well, and things are going the right way. And when Lutz hits the field goal uh, to give them the lead, even then, and Mike, you know me, you know I'm a pessimist, even then I'm thinking, okay, they're going to lose. <laughs> the Vikings have enough time. The Vikings have enough time to get down the field and kick a field goal. Their kicker's good. Four bets, good kicker. They're not going to win this game. And then, for the briefest of seconds, and I mean, it was, it was a fleeting moment, and you know this from covering sports, and you know it too, Courtney, that when the ball's in the air, you, you have more time than you think to, to think about what's going to happen. And I'm watching that pass, that last pass, and I'm thinking, they might win this game. This, this ball is not, this is not a good pass. He, they're going to get tackled in bounds. It could happen. And then I see Marcus Williams, and I think, he's not ready to make this tackle. Something's not right. <laughs> and both, I, I tell you, Mike, even before he whiffed, I had reconciled what was about to happen in my, my head. My only hope was that he would trip that he would fall, because I, I saw it coming. I was like, he's not going to make this tackle. And he didn't make the tackle, and, and it happened. And, you know, I, like I said, it's one of those things where I had already thought they were going to lose, but that moment, that millisecond in my head where I said they're going to win, ruined it for me. And I just sat on my couch for, like, stunned silence for about <laughs> ten minutes and then got up and took a walk around the block freezing cold outside Did you, you went out you literally went uh, outside you got up out of the house and I walked. went outside and walked around in my neighborhood <laughs> uh in silence and then i came home my wife was like i'm going to get some beer and i went and bought a six pack of beer and you're not and much of a drinker a couple right off I, i'm not that much of a drinker but i needed something to take the edge off there and uh and then the rest of the night i don't know that i said a total of, of 10 i didn't do my show i couldn't i couldn't do it and it was, it was. I've had some heartbreakers as a fan for different teams, but that's an all-time. That's that's a play that I know I am always going to see the rest of my life. Whenever they talk about crazy endings or anything, I'm going to see that play. That'll be there. I'm pretty sure when I die, whatever montage I get on the way out, that play will be in there. I'll, I'll come <laughs> down there. I'll I'll come oh. down and I'll play it for you, just because I know how much it means to you. No, please, please, Mike. No. You, you know I'm that kind of friend. <laughs> Let's <laughs> exactly. Let's go to Courtney, and I'm sure I, I, as Brian said, as a sports writer, it, it happened slow, and I could probably maybe Courtney has a different perspective, but I've been <laughs> there, and I'm sure Courtney, it didn't happen so slow for you in terms of having already written some stuff, and then that happens, and then having to go on the field and change your entire mindset. I'm guessing it didn't happen as slowly as Brian re- recalls. <laughs> no, and there definitely wasn't the whole. You know, a lot of people will um, take a play like that 
and put the Titanic music to it, where it's this long <laughs> crescendo of just watching this thing build up. I mean, it happened so quickly. Um, you know, I was anticipating that he was going to get tackled in bounds if he even made the catch, and then the game's over. Right. There's 10 seconds when Keenan made that throw. Um, and I had five different windows open in, my, in Microsoft <laughs> Word with yeah. about 200 words written on each for all the outcomes. Were they going to miss it on a field goal? Were they going to make uh, you know, make the NFC Championship game, exercising all the demons of Blair Walsh and Gary Anderson by making a field goal? Uh, was, was Drew Brees going to carve them up in the last minute and, minute and 29 seconds, which after Forbath made that 53-yarder, I was like, there's no way this is over. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback giving him literally a minute and a half to go the length of the field. Um, and, you know, they did. And, you know, that fourth and ten conversion was idiotic. Um, you know, that was a bit of chance to win the game right there. But, uh, yeah, it was – I think when that happened, um, and you just kind of heard this wave of noise like just starting to build once you see him catch, but you see him throw his left hand down um, to, to balance himself and push himself off, essentially. I asked him after the game, I'm like, did you think you were going to trip? Like, how did you get your balance there? But you, you come down from grabbing the ball, um, and, 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 you know, you landed kind of on one foot and, like, had to, you know, it was a perfect leverage-type movement. I mean, dude has such incredible body control anyways um, that, you know, it wasn't surprising of all guys. I mean, both him and Adam Thielen are just tremendous at that aspect um, of their skill set as receivers that they were able to he was able to find that balance. But I think that you know, once once he starts turning up field, I'm I'm looking at the sidelines. I'm trying to see what Mike Zimmer's doing. I have binoculars. I'm trying to see what he's seeing him is. Um, you know, is he running? And then you know, you see Diggs get to the end zone and just kind of you know the whole rush of his teammates coming at him, kind of pushing him off into, you know, off the sideline, he chucks his helmet and, you know, just trying to find out what everything else going around him. I think that's what you do as a writer. At least, you know, that's what you're taught, that you find everything else that's going on in the moment um, to tell the story. And, and a lot of that's from the reactions of the players because there's some pretty priceless ones. You mentioned the reactions, and you've covered it basically all from – uh, high school championships to college teams going for championships to the Golden State Warriors winning a championship. So you've seen it all. You've been in the locker rooms at all. I'm curious, emotion-wise, how did it compare to other post-game situations you've experienced? You know, I think um, I, I went through a top four the other day because I sat, you know, trying to write some stuff after I got home Sunday night from Monday morning. I was kind of thinking to myself, right, like going through, I mean, I've covered a lot of really good games, but, you know, those buzzer beater type moments, um, I was going through them in my head. And obviously this one just shot to the top, but, you know, beneath it, I, you know, had to put LeBron, uh, that, you know, Kyrie shooting over Steph Curry, uh, and then LeBron's chief down block on Andre Iguodala, which was literally the most athletic thing I've ever seen with my eyes and my, all my years on earth. Um, and then below that, uh, Christian Watford, my senior year at Indiana, I was covering the IU-Kentucky game, and that buzzer beater was insane. Um, that was that was originally my number one, but it kind of worked its way down over the years. And then, you know, of course, Ole Miss beating Alabama uh, in 2014, knocking off number one team on a you know, crazy fourth-quarter drive. It's pretty impressive, and, you, and every one of those are different. Um, I think the thing I took away from the Vikings locker room, which is kind of almost a sense of normalcy, like 
yeah, you had guys who were, you know, they were, it was loud, there was a little bit of music playing, but you weren't even sobbing or, you know, like anybody, like these like euphoric moments. And I think it's honestly because this team still expects to go so far um, because it's been such an improbable run. Why, why stop now? Uh, you know, and in the press conference, it was just, it was a, like a circus because you can see there's a, the Delta Sky Lounge or whatever it is. It's like the fan. Like if you have season tickets, it's right there on the field. You can get food. It's all this stuff. And there's like a window that separates that in the press conference room. And so there's like those, it, you can like flip a switch and like the glass turns opaque or it turns clear. Um, and then, you know, the fans see Mike Zimmer up there and they're chanting his name and he's loving it. And he's like pumping his fist back and yelling, come to Philly. And it was just, I mean, there was such a high among this team. You kind of almost worry, like, this is, is this going to be hard to move fast? Because, you know, it certainly felt like that on Sunday because it was just such a, I don't think it hit a lot of these players until yesterday. It was 48 hours after it happened. Yeah, I mean, you list off all of these games, and Brian, she's not even thirty yet. So, how, what have you done in your career? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have that kind of. I like how two of her four make me insanely angry, though. That's just very exciting. That's what we. That's what it seems like. Courtney and I uh, do to you, Brian. It's just we don't. We're those damn Yankees from up north. You and give just, me a hard time. No yeah, question about yeah. it. Yeah. Before you go, Brian, I texted you before, and Montana and I were having some fun with this NFL season. Just how wacky it is, and it seems like the WWF has scripted it. Uh, if there are four, you're our resident WWF, uh, WWE expert. I don't know if you knew that, but you do now. Oh, that's good. We have um, like correspondence. Yeah. Nice. If there were f- each of the remaining four teams were wrestlers, who would they be? All right. I, I, I put a lot of thought into this. I know you would. Question because I, I want to be that, that correspondent. I want to be that expert. Well, you are. Either way. Um, depending, it doesn't really matter how you answer this. It's Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville is the team that shouldn't be there, right? They, they, what, what are they doing? This is Jacksonville. They've been the butt of jokes for all these years. Uh, nobody expected them to be any good, even this season, and then even their playoffs seems to have been a bit of a fluke. So I'm going to go with Jinder Mahal. He was recently the WWE champion, and he's a guy who's been in terrible gimmicks his whole career, and then just out of nowhere, they pushed him all the way to the top and gave him a pretty good run. As WWE champion, so we're over one in all knowing who these people are. So continue. Oh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, number two, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the team that would be better if it's not injured. If Carson Wentz were there, <laughs> they would be the odds-on favorite, probably to win the whole thing. I think. Uh, for that reason, I gave them Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan as the guy who you know everybody loved had that great run where he became world champion, but injuries decimated his career. And he is no longer an active wrestler. So Philly is Daniel Bryan. Uh, for Minnesota, Courtney, you're listening to that. Get over <laughs> this. But they're the guys who shouldn't be there. They're the guys that nobody wants there. And now here nobody comes the, yeah, the, 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 the fandom of Brian Haydad <laughs> rears its ugly head. Go ahead, That's continue. Fine. It's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But you can't <laughs> tell me that everybody outside of Minnesota didn't want a Breeze Brady Super Bowl. Give they us the name, it. Brian. And this was the best opportunity. <laughs> Roman Reigns. Okay. Nobody likes Roman Reigns. He's pushed for no reason. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes Minnesota, outside of Minnesota. And then, I mean, is there any doubt who New England is? They're the dynasty. They're the champions. They're West Newberry Mass's own John Cena. No question about it. They are, they are the team you expect 
But everyone doesn't like them either. That was kind of our. We were saying they're the villain. They're the. That's the other thing. Yeah, not everybody likes Cena. Okay. Sure, but the people who like Cena love Cena, and that's probably the same way Patriots fans are. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like ESPN is going to call Courtney and be like, "Never go on that podcast again with these three idiots." Well, (laughs) that that means that ESPN would see this podcast. I guess. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. So that call never happened. It could be good for us. Uh, Courtney, Brian, thank you so much for your time. We know you were extremely busy. Uh, everyone, check out Courtney's coverage on ESPN, especially her game story uh, from that game. A super chaotic moment, and she really knocked out of the park. I'm not just saying this. I thought it was one of the better game stories I've ever read. She did a really outstanding job. So uh, for all your coverage, whether the Vikings win or not, she's going to be in Minnesota covering the Super Bowl. So uh, definitely give her a follow. So, Montana, we entered that conversation without a resident WWE expert, and we left it with an expert. So I think, all in all, it was a positive. All in all, really, really good uh, result out of that interview. Not to mention, I know way more about sports than I did before I went in, and I consider myself a sports person. They are both really good at what they do. They know what they're talking about. Yeah. I felt stupid the entire time. I felt for Courtney after well I was watching the game and hearing what was happening. As I said, I didn't see the end, but Twitter alerted me to the end. And I've been in those situations and I was right. just like, "Oh, Courtney, I like Oh, couldn't be more hectic." Really. She I was so not I don't want to say surprised, but very impressed. Go check go impressed check out that uh, that game story. We'll link that um in the description um on Omni? Yes. Omni. We'll link that in the description below. Uh, we'll link their Twitter handles as well, uh, of course. But um, next, uh, I, I think the thing Mike and I are most interested in is some of the the knee-jerk reaction from Saints fans in we Louisiana. We got the, the in-the-moment reaction right. from Brian and then Courtney being on the sidelines with the players after and asking them what happened. And I was actually pretty in- Surprised that they were so business right. casual. I was the Vikings really expect to go far. It seems from Courtney's reporting. What she yeah, told especially us. when you see at the Eagles wearing the underdogs and celebrating. Right. So it was interesting to me. But speaking of people who do a good job, we have someone in Baton Rouge helping us out here. All right, so uh, we're going to be talking to a dear, dear friend of mine, one Mike Gaither, who's the weekend anchor and sports reporter for WBRZ in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So. Uh, Mike, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your experience post-game and uh, down there? Well, I'll tell you what. We were all kind of gathered around the TV, and uh, it, it seems like game after game, somehow New Orleans, they, they always find a way to just make things just absolutely gut-wrenching and dramatic in the final moments of, of a football game. And for some reason, I, I, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a Saints thing, but they find the most insane – gut-wrenching, nauseating ways you could ever possibly lose a football game. And the the highs in, of emotions of just after the field goal kick, Will Lutz drills it, and you're like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this. This guy just drilled the field goal. I mean, just a vintage Drew Brees drive to get them in field goal range to kick that field goal. And then Case Keenum drives them downfield in, in like, literally less than a minute. And then you have that uh, just shell shocking sixty one yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Right. I mean, it was, and it so was the most crushing uh, loss I think the Saints will, will ever uh, will ever experience. And so a big a big part of the reason um, I saw on Snapchat you posted some of the raw files of you talking to some people after the game, 
And can you sort of describe, maybe my favorite uh, person you spoke with was Breezy. Um, can you sort of describe the people's reaction after, I mean, obviously the whiffed tackle, the Stefan Diggs touchdown dance. I mean, it, it was a pretty, pretty like you said, gut-wrenching moment. Yeah, well, first off, you know, you would think people would be upset. Well, Monday morning I wake up and I, I, I go around town and just kind of talk to different people to see how they're feeling. And people were so red hot, man. (laughs) People are boiling over. I asked, you know, several people just, I went to a lumber yard where all these guys were working. I I grabbed a few guys off the forklift and I basically asked him, I said, man, how do you describe the the final moments? He's like, why did he make that tackle? I mean, people are just losing their mind. I couldn't believe it. Were they willing to talk about it? Because it seems sometimes as a journalist, you go up and talk to these people and you're hesitant or they're hesitant. Were they very willing to, to, you know, empty their, empty their heart out regarding that, that moment? Well, I asked, I probably went around and, um, you know, approached probably 20 people. I probably got eight out of the 20. So there was a lot of people that were, it's just different people. A lot of people are shy, but the, the people that were willing to talk, man, were they asking (laughs) fan base here in louisiana it's a lot different than a lot of other places people they love lsu football and they love new orleans saints football and to see the saints lose that way because i'm telling you these people man they they believe that this was a super bowl team everybody was you know super high on this team after that uh eight game win streak and then the performances they've had all year from you know uh, Alvin Kamara, who's probably the rookie of the year. I mean, people believe this was the real deal. And, of course, Drew Brees. I mean, it, it, it's Drew Brees. This guy's a future Hall of Famer. Had statistically one of his best years ever in history uh, in, in uh, completing passes. So it's been it's it's been a whirlwind of emotion for these uh, Saints fans the last 24, 48 hours. They still can't believe it. They're shocked. And I, I guarantee you right now, just from talking to them, they said they can't even watch the rest of the playoffs. They don't even plan to watch the Super Bowl because – they said this is our Super Bowl, and they uh, they're not they're not taking it very well in uh, defeat. Right, and so I guess Mike, uh, the last question we got to ask you is uh, once again comes from my favorite interviewee, Breezy. Do you think uh, the tackle would have been made had Alvin Kamara given him a piece of the airhead? That that was honestly I don't think I've ever heard a soundbite <laughs> so funny in my entire life. This guy said, "All right, so Alvin Kamara is." He's not sponsored by Airheads, just to give people kind of a background. Not yet. This guy is a very, very authentic player. He's he's fits in so well in New Orleans. The guy actually walks home from football games from the Superdome, walks to his apartment. Oh, wow. Anyways, in one of his first drawers in the kitchen, he's just got boxes of Airheads. By the way, he only eats the watermelon Airheads. <laughs> they leave all the other flavor Airheads for his friends. So basically, every time he scores a touchdown, he hands out airheads on the sideline, and it's it's really comical. It's really funny. He eats just eats airheads on the sideline, kind of like a Marshawn Lynch thing where he eats the skittles. Right. Anyway, I asked this guy. I said, "Walk me through that final play." I was like, "What, what were your thoughts on Marcus Williams not making that tackle?" I was like, "Is this something fans will will forgive this guy for, or are they just like going to beat this guy up for the the rest of their life?" And he said, "You know," what he said. Maybe Alvin Kamara should have gave him one of the airheads to, to boost him up and maybe would have made that tackle. I about lost my mind. I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Told, told me that he should have gave this guy an airhead to boost him up to make the tackle. Like, are you kidding me? Are you, this is what we've resulted to, giving the guy an airhead to make the tackle? 
<laughs> well, like you said, Mike, the the fans are passionate down there in New fans Orleans. Fans are fun. I can't and wait for that Alvin Kamara Airhead sponsorship. It's, oh, um, it's 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 tough, man. I'll tell you what, it's it's going to take a long time. Sean Payton said in the the post game press conference, this one's going to take a while. It's going to sting. I, I just don't. I, I I really I feel like this was the last time they'll get a chance this good with Drew Brees as quarterback to to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's a free agent. He said yesterday too that he plans on um his heart hasn't changed the last twelve years. His heart's in New Orleans, he wants to be with New Orleans, and he said he doesn't plan on uh, testing free agency waters. But with the core group of young players they have coming back, I think they can make it run next year. But right. then again, you know, Drew Brees, man, he just turned 39 years old on Monday. That's so true. You're, you're running out of time, and I don't know, man. People are just, oh, God, people in New Orleans are just boiling over. Well, a couple rough days down there in Louisiana. Mike, we appreciate you joining us uh, today. Hey, guys, appreciate the time. Take care. Once again, thanks to Mike for giving us a little bit of insight into what the people on the ground were uh, thinking following that Saints loss. And we will once again link uh, Mike's story that we referenced uh, in the description as well as his uh, Twitter handle. Mike, uh, you feel like you learned a lot about Louisiana today? I did, but I also lived in Mississippi for four years, so I kind of had some grasp of uh, the Cajun lifestyle. But uh, I, I think Brian hit it on the head too, and Mike said it, uh, it very much a Saints place, but LSU too. And LSU didn't really have an LSU expected season, right. so I think it was a double whammy for the uh, the people in Louisiana. You know, this, this is year. an interesting topic that I, I was actually discussing with a couple of buddies of mine recently. Are sports in the South? There, there's obviously like in Kansas, we don't we don't have a professional basketball teams. So the University of Kansas basketball team is really important. When you're when you're talking Florida and you're talking Georgia and you're talking Louisiana, do people uh, are people's moods affected more by the college losses than the professional losses? Like, do do people ride harder for the college teams than they do the professional teams? I think fans are fans. Yeah. Uh, I saw a video and I. My gut says it's not real, but I still saw a video of a Saints fan throwing a TV off a oh wow. Uh, <laughs> porch or something again it made no sense to me it seemed a little the person taping it on their phone wasn't didn't seem to be that shocked by this so i was like "Eh, why if so it was a big screen tv and they're just going to throw it out and destroy a couple thousand dollar worth tv doesn't make any sense to me but uh the only reason why i say that is to point to i think fans are fans and regardless if the patriots lose in a saints-like fashion in the AFC Championship game to the Jaguars, a game that everyone expects the Patriots to win easily, I think you would see the same type of reaction. Some of my friends have told me in the past, why do they want the Patriots to win? Well, they want them to win because they're fans, but if not, the entire rest of the week is ruined. Uh, So I don't think you'll see a lot of Patriots fans watching the Super Bowl if they lose. No. Uh, So um, I, I I think probably not a lot of Georgia fans are watching the replays of the national championship game nor would they have been listening to our first podcast nor would they have been listening to our first podcast (laughs) the once again in our soft opening of the podcast we shouted out our moms i think we should do so again mom hope you're doing okay hope you're listening mike you want to say anything to your mom i know my mom is listening so i don't have to hope she she is gonna be listening to a loyal true friend she's listened to 
so many podcasts of hosts. It's wow, it's ridiculous. So our number one fans are our moms for always and forever. I don't think there's a better place to end off, Mike. No, hopefully they return for episode three. Hopefully, yeah. And well, hopefully this gets brought. If you're listening to this, it's a success. This is technically episode 1.5. Yeah. We're going to call it 1.5. Like we said earlier, you might hear episode one, but meh, probably not. Maybe at some point. Maybe like when we get some type of following. We'll In five years when we're the number base, one podcast on iTunes. The fan base will be craving that. Yeah. We'll that air, pilot episode that never We'll had. air it live. We'll charge for tickets. $45 a piece. Answer questions afterwards. Answer, well, we might. We might be too big time for that at that point. Maybe know? a meet and greet. We'll charge for a meet and meet, greet. Char- the VIP tickets. Like the... Shout out to all you SoundCloud rappers charging over $100 for VIP meet and greets. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to add. All I'm hoping is as we as we talk about our future <laughs> and meet and greets, I'm ready. I'm on to episode three.